Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. We record Discover Lafayette with the support of Raider, a managed IT service provider that offers world-class service, including cybersecurity, communications, and technology support. With Raider, you have just one vendor and one number to call, allowing you to concentrate on what is most important, your business. For more information, visit RaiderSolutions.com. The generosity of Oxner Lafayette General makes this podcast possible. As Acadiana's largest regional health system, the organization has more than 5,500 employees and includes eight hospitals, more than 100 clinics, urgent cares, and professional centers. Its flagship hospital, Oxner LGMC, is the region's only level two trauma center and one of two teaching hospitals in Acadiana. Oxner Lafayette General strives to put patients first and makes caring their top priority. In continuous efforts to reach more patients, Oxner Lafayette General maintains its commitment to keeping care local and making healthcare more accessible for everyone. For more information, please visit oxner.org slash Lafayette. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Lafayette-based Vimed, a national leader in post-acute respiratory care and sleep therapy. If you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you may have undiagnosed sleep apnea. Vimed, right here in Acadiana, can assist with in-home sleep testing, CPAP equipment, and a personal sleep coach. For existing CPAP users, Vimed can help you maintain a restful sleep schedule through supplies and maintenance tips. Visit vimed.com forward slash sleep or call 866-852-8343 for more details. Our guests are restaurateurs Patrick and Stephen O'Brien, owners of Bontom Grill and Whiskey and Vine Restaurants. Located less than half a mile apart on Pinhook Road near the Oil Center, the restaurants offer totally different dining experiences. Bontom Grill originally opened in 2011 on Verot School Road and is now located in the former site of the Blue Dog Cafe, offering a casual atmosphere with mesquite-grilled food and Cajun and Zydeco music. Whiskey and Vine opened in 2022 at 507 West Pinhook Road near St. Mary Boulevard, and it's distinctly different. It has an elegant setting, offering traditional New Orleans dishes amidst a classic jazz club atmosphere. Besides their two restaurants, the O'Briens offer catering services as well as Bonton concessions at the Youngsville Sports Complex and the Broussard Sports Complex. I was introduced to Patrick and Stephen through Ben Berthelot of Lafayette Travel. This interview is a special edition of Discover Lafayette, made possible with the support of Eat Lafayette, a year-long celebration of Lafayette's local restaurants. So I finally get to the intro. Patrick and Stephen, <laughs> welcome to Discover Lafayette. Thank you, Jan. Great to be here. Yes, what an honor. So Ben did reach out to me, and as we discussed before we started taping, Eat Lafayette wants to really promote the wonderful tourist attractions that we have, as well as reintroduce you to our locals that may not have been to your restaurant. So I'm thrilled today to let you talk about your story, especially being two brothers in business. I love this, and I, I want you to get in at some point how you manage 
to work through conflicts. Because I can imagine being a family-owned <laughs> business. I mean, I have one too. It you know it brings its own set of challenges. So, um, who wants to go first and talk about your background? I'm just laughing. Everyone asks us about the conflict. That uh-huh. question comes up every time. <laughs> we, we, we never together. fight. No, no, we never have an argument. You you'd be surprised. It's very rare in between. Uh, you know, we both have our strengths, and uh, we, we kind of stay in our lanes, and uh, we've been very supportive. Uh, you know, part of our story is, you know, and probably get a little more detail later on it, but Patrick was away for like 13, 15, 15 years. years. Yep. So, you know, he while he was off doing that and uh, I was here, you know, having him back in the area mm-hmm. was really special. Right. So, uh, you know, we— uh, we, I think we feed off each other very well. And, you know, mm-hmm. if we, we have a disagreement or, or something, sure, we may hash it out real quick. But, I mean, 30 seconds later, we're planning to go to, yeah. you know, to the Raging Cajun basketball game or something. <laughs> it's not know, like so. succession. No, no, no. It, it's, it's over pretty quickly. So yeah. you, you want to start background, that sort of thing? Sure, Were you absolutely. both from the restaurant business as you start out? Is your family in the restaurant business? Not it, really. Well, our, our grandmother actually had uh, well, that's a, right. a, a restaurant for— uh, a time in Abbeville, it was called the Get, um, and G G E T. No one knows what it was, what it stood for. As far as we keep asking at this time, you know, it was it was that long ago. Uh, it, but it was downtown Abbeville in the in the in yeah, the square, nice. um, and you know, we don't have that much history. But I remember in our home, the plates and stuff from the restaurant, and ne- never knew what they were or anything until obviously I got older and got into the business like oh those are restaurant plates and yeah they last catering stuff Uh so uh so other than that on the family no uh but uh but it is my fault a little bit that we're both in the business yeah it is your fault Uh, so that may be one of the arguments we can have (laughs) but no my 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 first job right before starting at usl at the time was bussing tables at cafe vermilionville um Ken Pancho Veron mm-hmm. was 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 uh, you know boss at the time, and first thing I ever learned how to do was fold a napkin there in the dining room at at, um, at Cafe Vermilionville, and then Stephen, who were three years apart, so I was already you know continued to work my my uh, work there all through college. The best job you can have through school is mm-hmm. waiting tables. I feel it's flexible. You make all the money you need to go out and drink all the beer you need, you right. know, every, every night. So Buy your books. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there's books. That's true. And so, <laughs> and so three years later, Stephen's graduating from high school. And, of course, he he came and worked there, you know, right where I started. And then from then on, we really never got out of the business. I mean, we both did a lot of lot of different things. Um, I, um, uh, let's see, after, after graduating from USL, I went to, work at Cypress Bayou Casino. It was a Cypress Bayou Casino for uh, several years uh, working there. Um, Mr. Lester's Steakhouse had just opened up at the time. So I was, Beautiful. you know, part of that opening, yeah. which was, which was you know, very eye-opening and learning a whole lot about the, the business then. And um, I was working in human resources as a training and development manager for the whole casino. Um, then, interesting enough, Cypress Bayou Casino became a client of a company called the Freeman Group. Which probably no one, no one Lafayette's aware of them, uh, but it's a, a consulting company. At the time, we were based out of Dallas, 
And they go in and they work with organizations at the time, such as Cypress Bayou Casino, um, uh, on hospitality standards from a guest service point of view and looking at all the positions within the organization and, and, and what, they're, what they're doing in terms of behaviors, both, both behaviorally um, and technical standards, and then implementing processes to train the staff and maintain those standards on an ongoing basis. So I worked with them, this, this organization as a client, and these consultants and these trainers kept coming into our property. It looked like they had a great um, time. They were traveling the world to all these gorgeous resorts and uh, uh, casinos yeah. <laughs> and for work. For. <laughs> so I left and, and I moved to Dallas and I started working with that organization. I was with them for 15 years. And that's oh, what wow. Stephen was talking about, Yeah, um, that I went away for a while. But during that entire time, I was traveling and working with all of these, you know, luxury hotel and, and, and casino clients. And, you know, of course, a big portion of that was still food and beverage. So I never got out of the food and beverage industry from a consultancy standpoint. And then, you know, towards the end of that, I started to get homesick. And Stephen had been begging me for a while to do a restaurant together. And I kept saying no and kept saying no. And finally, one time he asked, I'm like, you know what, I'm ready. And I moved back. And then that's when we, we, we started uh on Tongue Grill there on Verot. So yeah, yeah. So a, where where on Verot? I, I remember it, but was it still uh, just like not as developed as much? Like was it? It's the corner of Verot and Matthews. So that was it's. Uh, how, how would you describe that? Right across the street from it used to be uh, Zim's Automotive. Zim's, Zim's was at the time. Now it's A Bear's. A Bear's Automotive. Um, you know, they they had quite a few businesses that were there forever. You know, I mean, you, you have. Um, uh, the building was Crawfish Time, the first location of uh, yeah, Crawfish Time, and he yeah. actually moved up the road with Bumper, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so we we kind of had a connection to that yeah. guy because he's a school a friend of ours mm -hmm. from UL. And what and, a time to move there because that was I mean Youngsville was just starting absolutely to really explode. It was and it was we started. Two years, I'd say, before the road construction started, and they, they totally redid that road. And that was over quickly. It, oh, yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was only uh, only only four and a half years uh, <laughs> from start to finish. Uh, but I could tell you, it, it it was great for us after it was finished. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I could tell you the the I believe it was the state that was doing that road, and I mean, obviously with local um, government, you know. I guess giving feedback or whatever, however they do that, but it wasn't a bad ex as bad as experience as it could have been. That's good. Um, and they really worked hard to help keep us right. open by doing different lanes and alternate routes, mm -hmm. and uh, we fought through that. And when we when we got through it, it was it was a you know, it, it, was, it was a good thing. How did so, you come up with the Bonton Grill concept? Um, if you got him to come back, if you got Patrick to come back, did you have this idea already, or did y'all brainstorm this? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, <laughs> we kind of started talking about what brought us to there, my, my journey to get there. I actually uh, started in the local restaurants, like Cafe Vermillionville. I worked really closely with uh, David Bertrand mm -hmm. out of Abbeville. He's uh, now with Shucks, but he had Bertrand's Riverfront back in the 90s. And um, then after that, I went to corporate world. And uh, that was Copeland's, TGI Fridays, Semolina. But the one that I was with prior to opening up Bonton Grill was Logan's Roadhouse. And that was 15 years. Mm -hmm. And I was mostly in Lafayette, but I would travel. And I'd go and work at 
work and fix other Logan's Roadhouses at the time or, mm-hmm. or help open them or do some training. And I got to the point where I was like, man, I keep doing this for everyone else. Yeah. It's time for me to do it for myself. And that's when I reached out to Patrick. So, look, I, I got a building that's that I think can work for a concept. Um, when you walk into it, it kind of talks to you. It tells you what it what it what it wants to be. Um, I, I think you really should come in and let's take a look at this uh, uh, as a successful location. And uh, so that's what we did. You know, he, mm-hmm. he came in one day and he and he's like, "Man," he says, uh, "You're right. Let's uh, the the con you know the concept works here. Um, we grew up um, just like most people in South Louisiana. Our family, our our, our father cooked. Yeah. Our families cooked, and you know, it's not." It's, it's we didn't deep fry stuff all the time. You know, we were we were grilling out a lot, whether it was seafood, alligator, you know, um, steaks, you name it, smoking stuff. So we wanted to bring that side because we knew they had some great fried Cajun restaurants. I called them. You know, yeah. uh, you had so, sell their salt to the fried seafood platter. Yes. Right. <laughs> it's interesting. Both of you had the fifteen years. You know, yep. the, the long term. Uh, employment for others, mm-hmm. but you both showed up steeped in best practices. And a lot of restaurateurs, they they want to open something on a whim, and they have a great idea, but they don't really know, you know, the behind-the-scenes uh, secrets. No, it's true. Success. I think collectively, you know, what Stephen did, he was the youngest general manager in, 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 um, in Logan's Roadhouse Company, and, and they really grew in that company. And then what I was doing from the consulting side, we, uh, you know, it was, it was combined. It was like 30, 40 years mm-hmm. of experience between the two of us coming into that. We weren't worried about, you know, if we how could to ru- how, yeah. how to run the operation. There was always still that nervousness about it's a brand new concept. Mm-hmm. And so can, we got to find that right niche for Lafayette. And, and as Stephen was saying, when we looked around at what was there, there was a lot of great Cajun restaurants, but their menus were so fried seafood heavy, right? So we wanted to center the concept, and which it still is today, around grilling in a large mesquite grill. Mm. Um, and in the early days, I mean, we, we only had a handful of fried items on the menu, right? See, I mean, there were a couple. Um, I think the crab cake. The, it was like maybe one, you know, I don't know. I mean, if you wanted fried shrimp, you literally had to request fried shrimp off the menu, you know, because we, you know, we did the chili butter uh, grilled shrimp that's still mm. on the menu today. <laughs> and and so, so we really hit that niche right, that people were looking for, uh, you know, a Cajun cuisine concept with a twist. You know, we kind of put a twist on everything and more grill, um, grill heavy than fried seafood heavy. And, uh, you know, it really hit. I mean, gosh, we were there about a year, year and a half, and we were already growing out, outgrowing that location. Mm-hmm. I mean, people who remember going when we were on Verot, they said, love your place. Can't find a place to park, <laughs> you know. Um, the, you know the neighbors loved us because they were parking all down the street in front of their homes and, oh and what boy, have you. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we were, you know, always in the back of our mind. We were looking for, you know, a, a location to expand. But at the same time, I'm glad we waited as long as we did to move because even through the whole road construction during that time, we really created some, you know, loyal people to come to our brand from locals, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, of course, the tourists always want to go where the locals go. Yeah, so. right. Yeah. So um, I'm curious from a business standpoint, and this is just, you know, we've I hear people talk about startups. Y'all were both kind of seasoned businessmen at that point, not old, but you had been working. 
was it difficult to open a new restaurant financially? Is it, you know, convincing <laughs> banks or did you sell your soul, you know? <laughs> I'm, I, I, that from that standpoint, I, I'll let you see right. I'm glad we didn't know what, what we didn't know on a couple of things. Um, you, you, you've you got to be ready for some, oh, no, how are we going to make payroll? Oh, you know, it, we've got an ice storm or a hurricane. We're going to got a, you know, a week off. And I think those are some of the things in, the, in, in just in cash flow we probably weren't ready for in the early years. Um, so you do need to have a bit of seed money ready to go to float it. And we did have to get creative on some mm-hmm. financing things in the first couple of years. But, you know, fortunately, we were able to do that. Um you know, but that's, that's important. Yeah, no, no matter what you think, the, the the startup part of the restaurant's the cheap part. It's the it's the ongoing operational standpoint, and the, and margins in restaurants are so low. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember looking, um, having a conversation with Patrick. We were open about six months because it was. I think it was October, and I think we opened in April or so, whatever whatever that comes out to be. And uh, we're sitting down after a shift, and it was a you know, I was like, man, it's good shift today. You know, we did some great sales. You know, everyone happy. And he looks at me and says, yeah, he says, uh, so it's not that bad. He says, we only lost $20,000 this month. <laughs> I said, I, That's I, the good news. Yeah. So I, I look at how do we lose $20,000? I said, we don't have $20,000. He says, yeah, but we, 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 owe some, we owe a lot of, we owe a lot of, <laughs> a lot of vendors and people money right now. And, uh, you know, but that's, that's how fast restaurants can turn mm-hmm. around and start losing money. And right. that's that's why people go, man, I don't understand why that restaurant closed. They were so busy. The the um, the operating costs of them are so high. And people always ask me, man, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And my answer always is, if it, if it can't do over $2 million in sales a year oh. as a restaurant, so $40,000 a week, don't even look at it. Boy, that's I a said, lot you, to you, you, you won't yeah. make it unless you want to be the owner, manager, chef, right. bartender, yeah. which, you know, that's what you see. And, and a lot of people are very, very successful doing that. Mm-hmm. But your quality of life will, will not be there. Right. Um, and uh, that's the expense of doing restaurants. And, and that was a goal for us. We didn't, you know, we wanted to grow the business to where Stephen wasn't cooking and I wasn't bartending. Yeah. And, and in the early years, there was a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, fortunately now we've, we've, yeah. we've got a team of great people. So. And I would think during COVID, that was part of it too, huh? Oh, that was a whole other thing, right? Yeah. While we're on Bon Ton Grill, because I want to kind of talk about that evolution. Well, yeah, well go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so, so, yeah, during COVID, um, like every restaurant, we got very creative. We actually chose to keep a lot of our team members on, and we, we struggled through, you know, because what do you do? You know, uh, we kept thinking, like most restaurants, oh, it's just one more week. It's just one more week. Well, if we let them go, we'll never get them back. Um, so, you know, we ended up with the tent in the parking lot and serving people out there, bringing music in. You just took orders by phone and they would drive through? No. The dining room set in the gravel parking lot. Okay, well, the tent. In the parking lot, you know, we were out there with tape measures, measuring six feet. <laughs> six feet. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, the— we did have a, dr- a curb drive-through lane. We did have a curb drive-through lane. But the locals were very supportive because they knew, yeah. you know, hey, 
you know, they didn't want you to go anywhere. They either. didn't want to go. They they would come out not because they wanted to eat in a gravel parking lot with mm-hmm. bugs in their food, but just to support us. That's wonderful. You know, and I think why were we serving in paper? Yeah, we, I mean, yeah, it was, we it was all kinds. Couldn't of get things. ketchup. Oh, you probably Very you didn't need ketchup menu. in your menu. Yeah, uh, we went. We we changed the menu completely to to I think to offset. You know, we, we went more plate lunches, plate lunchy, I guess you mm-hmm. could say. I mean, you name it. We, we had one we, horrible day. Remember that Mother's Day? Oh, gosh. <laughs> we're, we're, we're sitting in the middle of COVID, and we got the park, the dining room, the parking lot dining room set up because no one can go inside and eat. And we got the curb drive through, and, you know, we're skeleton staff. And we just got slammed that day. And oh. I looked at Stephen, I said, no. Nah. Never uh, again. But you uh, made it. We made it. We made it. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, yeah. People were in their car. I mean, they, you know, how, how long on a table? I'm like, two hours? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did like, you have okay. a bar but outside too? We kind of did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but the, one of the rules was you couldn't have people belly up at a bar. I mean, yeah. there were so many different things. So, you know, but yeah, you. we were, we, we got as creative as you could and, we never closed. We never had one day during COVID where we closed. We just took the the regulations that were coming out at the time and just kept kept uh, modifying. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, right in the middle of COVID, when I think we were up to 50% occupancy inside, that's when we moved locations from Verrot to the old Blue Dog location on Pinhook where we're at now. And we found out that, you know, and I hated to see Blue Dog go because I used to love Blue Dog. I mean, Blue Dog was there for almost almost twenty years. You know, always a, a worthy competitor. Who who didn't like Blue Dog in its heyday, right? But you know, someone there that succumbed to to COVID, and we found out that property was available. We jumped on it, and people said, "Are you crazy? You're at fifty percent occupancy. You're moving from a Vera location to a location that's three times the size." We don't even know what's going to. I said no. We needed to do that because mm-hmm. once we got into that location, now we could social distance. Yeah. So we went Serve from a people. seventy-five seat restaurant to over three hundred seat restaurant, and we just took those three dining rooms and we spread all the tables out. And now, even though we were at fifty percent occupancy, we were doing more covers than we were doing if we were at full occupancy on Verot. So it ended up being a great move for us, and mm-hmm. we were able to bring all our staff back. Yeah. Gosh. Um, so that, that that just lined up, you know. I, I know, I know, you know, uh, a lot of people struggle through that, but that one decision for us uh, ended up being a very good decision during COVID. Yeah, I think our brand was so strong going into it, mm-hmm. um, and people were already looking for our next venue because, you know, at that time we um, we were we we were talking about right before COVID. Hey, what are we going to open next? We were planning on starting. To, yeah. All right, we were. I think we were maybe even looking for property. And yeah, we were starting to do some stuff. Then obviously, COVID came along, and we we're like, mm-hmm. "Whoa, <laughs> hang on!" Right. So I, I think people were expecting something from us anyway. So when that came out, um, they were, they were excited to go and try it and do it. Mm-hmm. And what Patrick was talking about about the menu and the grill grill versus fry. When we moved there, you know. At that time, y'all remember they had a lot of restaurants closed mm-hmm. or not not cooking. We actually expanded our menu also because we had the room to do so in the kitchen, mm-hmm. and we actually brought on some of those the fried fish. So, some of them we still yeah. don't have a fried platter to this day. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if Patrick will ever let me put one on the menu, but uh, uh, we'll see. <laughs> maybe we uh, we were able to bring in live music, which you know, so that's mm-hmm. something we didn't have room for 
in the uh, we do live music every night of the week and on brunches Saturday and Sunday brunches now which has been become really popular mm-hmm. um, we were able to expand and um, we, what we call the Louisiana room and that's that big room in the back the big dining room uh, where we're able to do large uh, private parties and uh, nice patio in the back for private parties as well again we didn't have that as as, as an option at the old location so um, all the way around, it was a it was a very good move for us. And not, I wouldn't want to go through COVID again, but that that was one good thing yeah. that came out for us. Yeah. We said we had more bon temps, we had yeah. more more good times, and we were able to get, provide more good times. More parking, more parking. <laughs> yes, that and was. And I, I like the location because I live off of Penhook. You're, I guess, your loyals. That's not that far of a drive from Vera. Well, yeah, it's surprisingly, there's a lot of we had a lot of um, loyal guests on South Side of Lafayette that were not happy to see us move. Like, you know, I mean, Lafayette, you know how it is. I mean, yeah. you, you're on one side in, in traffic. It's like we think we have the worst traffic yeah. on the planet. And compared right? to Dallas, it's like uh, yeah, I'm like, yeah, it's bad, but yeah. um, Abbeville, yeah. Youngsville. So, so people on on sort of that side of town, um, I think we probably lost a few just. You know, because of they don't want to drive to the trap, but then we gained mm-hmm. that much more, like yourself who live, yeah. you know, over on this side, and then we're so much closer to downtown, and right. you know, things like you know, Business I mean, if there's anything training. going on at the Hyman, you know, mm-hmm. we're we're slam busy, you know, concerts, the Cajun Dome, whatever, people are coming our way more mm-hmm. so than they used to at the other location. Well, it looks like your restaurant's always packed, Bonton Grill. While we're talking about this, so um, you mentioned something before the interview, Patrick, about. The tourists like to go where the locals go, right. and you have a great local trade. Uh, talk about your tourists. We, I want to get in um, Cajun food tours, uh, Marie, that brings people around. But do you see a lot of tourists during the week and weekends? Yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. It, it's it's a large part of our business, no doubt. Um, and when we part of designing the original concept, we certainly had the tourists in mind, and that's a whole mm-hmm. Cajun component to it, local cuisine um, component that we bring in. And we certainly take every opportunity, you know, working with, you know, LCVC or mm-hmm. working with, um, you know, Maria Maria with the food tours. And in fact, um, the, the, the food tours um, with Maria, I think we were her first mm-hmm. restaurant um, that that started working with her at the time we, we were still on Verot and she would bring the tour groups in and we would serve um, uh, alligator legs that really? we, we, were, we did in a in the a, tourists in, in must a have sauce. loved that well Maria was funny she would you know when she was leading it she wouldn't tell them what they were eating so she would have them <laughs> she would her. have the tours try it and then she would have them guess, guess what it was and, and they'd like, oh, guess no. everything except an alligator because you know you've seen these alligator legs in restaurants they're small. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can go into, you know, what age they slaughter these these alligators on the alligator farms and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they're they they're pretty small. And what you, you know, it's not like these big 12-foot alligators yeah. that you see on yeah. TV with a big old leg. So no one guesses that it's alligator. an alligator. And then she tells them what they just ate. And they're like, oh. And so that was fun uh-huh. for, for a lot of years. And then now they, they, she still, they, they still come in with the tours now. And I think now we're doing the banana foster's bread pudding, huh? She ends she, with you. She, yeah, she she rotates, um, mm-hmm. believe it or not. It depends on what time. It's either gumbo Marie or the, Dakota, or the we're um, talking about. banana yeah. foster yeah. bread pudding. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, she she switches it up. She she does a lot of different tours now. It's not so, just the same one. Right. Marie, though, people come in. Jason. Jason Secor is here um, recording our show. Um, she brings people in from all over. Like, and just—it's it, just so much fun I, as a local to go to these different restaurants like Bonton Grill. Um, mm-hmm. But I haven't had your— 
bananas foster. We um, oh no, we well, there's a story parts. to that. Yeah, yeah I was going to say yeah, absolutely. So oh, the, it's a start. Oh yeah, absolutely. So uh, my my favorite uh, uh, dessert growing up was was banana fosters. Patrick's was a bread pudding. The bread pudding. And okay. uh, so you know we we were trying to build this menu, and, and I, I'm telling chef. Hey, I want to see this. Patrick, mm-hmm. I want to see this. So she comes out with the banana foster bread, <laughs> bread pudding. pudding. Oh boy. And, and it's funny that when we when we first opened on Verot, we said, oh, you know, we're gonna be we're gonna be known for this or known for that. And the last thing on our list was, oh, we're gonna be known for a banana foster's bread pudding. And that became one of the most popular. Everybody, you gotta go try this <laughs> banana foster's bread pudding. They serve it a la mode. And um, so I'm like, how did we become Known for a dessert. What, what the heck is that about? Well, <laughs> Who came up with, I mean, like, do y'all develop your own recipes? Or uh, um, well, well, okay, in the beginning. So, you know, it was interesting. Steve and I, we came up with sort of the the concept. And, you know, we had a lot of working sessions. I remember at one time in Steven's house in, in Youngsville at the time, we had one one extra bedroom. All the walls were just full of flip chart paper with all of our ideas on it. And we mm-hmm. kind of knew generally where we wanted to go with the concept. But um, we did, when we first opened, bring on a chef, executive chef. Her name uh, is Alexis Kupish. Um, now she's Alexis Kupish Indest. Um, her husband's from New Iberia. Her husband's also a chef. Huh. And um, Alexis is so talented. Um, she's actually originally from Albuquerque, New Mexico, believe it or not. But she's been down here long enough that she's kind of one of those anointed anointed Cajuns, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, Alexis is so talented. So she just took it, took all these ideas that Stephen and I had. And then she put the recipes to it and put the execution and put all the twists on the Cajun um, item, items. Um, Alexis left us. Um, somewhere in the middle of the last 12 years, um, she, uh, her and her husband actually opened up a restaurant in um, New Iberia called Preservation. Preservation, unfortunately, is one of those ones that didn't make it through COVID. Oh, but I'm sorry to hear that. But, yeah. she, but, but she is so talented. If you had an opportunity to, to mm-hmm. try any of her food there, um, it was great. But now I'm happy to say she's back with us. Um, and um, she's now our exec chef at um, Whiskey and Vine, also our corporate executive chef. So um, we owe a lot to Alexis mm-hmm. from, you know, taking Stephen and I's crazy ideas and, and putting it to, to figure out how to actually put a recipe yeah. to it. Well, any uh, food items at Bonton Grill that you want to recommend people try if they're not sure what to get, <laughs> what's popular? You know, everything we, we try to put forth is craveable, and uh, you know <laughs> I, that's that's the thing that we, we, you know is so hard for us. You know, we, we have it's not a one of these ten page menus, but it's it's a pretty large menu, and uh, I always look at it. I'm like, man, such a big menu. Do we want to take anything off? What do we do? And everything every time we throw something up there, like, oh no, that. That everybody loves that. You can't take that off, or you can't take this off. So, uh, but things I always recommend: come in and try the uh, our, por- our stuffed pork chop. It's a it's a um, it's a fourteen ounce pork chop stuffed with boudin, and uh, we mis- put it on the mesquite wood grill. We grill it. We, we um, serve it with a, a satsuma um, a glaze with a, um, mm. balsamic gastrique on top of it. Um, you get it with the fried sage, sweet mashed potatoes. Um, and, and maybe a grilled vegetable skewer, you know, and uh, you, you can't beat that. We're known for this crawfish etouffee pot pie 
That's that's phenomenal. Um, our steaks, uh, we do a great hand-cut ribeye in-house, 14 ounces. Um, and, of course, that's on the mesquite wood grill. Uh, if you like pastas, we do a great shrimp and tasso pasta, shrimp, shrimp tasso and a, and, a, um, and a Cajun cream sauce. Uh, you know, uh, the, we've known for that Creole cob salad forever. Oh, it's a seafood so Creole cob salad. I mean, it's, it's, it's got these big pieces of uh, Nooski bacon, and um, it's loaded with sautéed shrimp and crab meat. Everyone goes crazy oh, no. over it. Um, that's definitely the the winning salad. Corn and crab bisque and gumbos, are, are, you know, mm-hmm. is a hit. We've got some phenomenal appetizers as well. I mean, um, our, our crab cake, I'd put up against anybody else's crab cake. It's a creamy bechamel crab cake, and it's uh, it's it's in a cornflake, uh, a sweet cornflake breading, almond and cornflake breading, and it's uh, deep fried, and oh those are those are phenomenal. So. Not yeah. something I would ever try to make at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And no. then, then we also we all we, we, we still hold true to that seafood concept. You could come and you know select a piece of tuna or or speckled trout or redfish or mai mai and prepare it on the mesquite grill, and then a choice of toppings with shrimp or crab meat or a crawfish, a satsuma creole minier sauce, a creole ranch sauce. A, um, what's what other favorite? We have that salsa, the, the uh, mango salsa, mango salsa topping. So lots of different toppings you get to kind of make your own dish. That's pretty popular too. Yeah, and chefs always bringing in, you know, whatever the the the, the fish of the day he's going to find, and he, mm-hmm. you know he he's doing it then with different sauces, different toppings, different sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's Chef Sean Little. He's 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 been with us now for. Seven years. Oh gosh, yeah. that's great. Uh, yeah, absolutely. In this business. Um, he is. He's. He's wonderful. Um, he also heads up all of our catering and getting the, the catering uh, items out mm-hmm. to everything. So yeah, Sean. Sean actually used to be a chef at Blue Dog at one time too. Okay. So he kind of came full circle, yeah, back coming back into this building. Yeah. So you guys are open every day of the week at Bonton Grill. Yeah, that's my fault too. <laughs> we, we we used to we used to not be open on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And um, we were, uh, when we first opened a lot of years there on Verout Location, and I talked Stephen and I said, look, brunch is a thing. And people said, were used to going there. I yeah. said, well, we, we, did, we started brunch before we moved here. Um, we started when we were still on Verot, and then very quickly, we did this great brunch menu very quickly. Sunday brunch has become our busiest uh, shift by far. We're doing, you know, we do bottomless mimosas and there's some great things like, let me go back to the crab cake. We do a crab cake, eggs benedict. And oh, gosh, we've got yeah. uh, all, all, all sorts of, oh, all, all, a lot of different benedicts. We got, yeah, we got a, we got a chicken fried steak with, with an egg on top and <laughs> white gravy and, you know, everything, every brunch comfort thing you can think of. But uh, the bottomless mimosas are a hit. And it's become crazy busy for us. So now we're open seven days a week, mm-hmm. um, lunch and dinner every day. Um, so yeah. yeah, live music on every night, Monday through Thursday, Monday through Friday. Then we do uh, live music on brunch Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Something for everybody. Yeah, and they're, they're really, we're really proud of the live music program because it's obviously it's all local artists, mm-hmm. and you know that's one thing that we've really engaged with, and there it. There at Bonton Grill, we are, you know, it's it's not just Cajun and Zydeco. We bring in a lot of um, 
a, a lot of singer songwriters. Well, I've seen Trichalik. I think um, seems like I drove by one day and I saw his name up there. Sure, um, just you know, um, you know, and local talent. Yeah, a lot of local um, you know artists coming in that that, that mm-hmm. play. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, between the two locations, there's uh, I was 15, 15 acts a week. Wow. So fifteen. Oh man. Yeah. Fifteen artists or bands or mm-hmm. or um, have a place to go and you know yeah because the whiskey share and vine, their great music with us yeah same thing the only difference of whiskey and vine we really stick to the jazz and blues genre because it's that that jazz club mm-hmm. feel that we're trying to do there which has been great because these musicians especially the jazz and blues musicians they're local but for years they just haven't had a a, a great venue to play here in town. Mm-hmm. And they play elsewhere. They go to Baton Rouge, they go to New Orleans, they go to all these different places. And now, you know, uh, the musician community um, has been so excited that that we've got Whiskey and Vine now and that jazz blues, um, you know, place for them to come in and do their thing. So what was the inspiration for Whiskey and Vine? Um, how did that come about? <laughs> so, um, I, like I said earlier, um, we I, I looked at that building about four years ago, fell in love with it. The and former like Ridgecrest, yeah, Jolie's, Jolie's, yeah, um, right and, and it, it really Saint had this this phenomenal uh, Creole Acadiana mm-hmm. vibe to it. New Orleans with the wrought iron um, stair um, spiral staircase, and um, at the time we were actually looking to probably do a wedding venue or something there. But uh, as, as I said, COVID came along, so we kind of put it on hold. Well, after we were at Blue Dog for, I don't know, probably six to eight months, um, Preston Gidry contacted us and said, look, you know, you know I, I, I love that y'all are, are here and uh, things are going great. I'd really like for y'all to look at this property again. I want to do something and, um, you know, just come tell me what y'all think. Mm-hmm. And so we went and looked at it again and— we're like, you know, all right, Preston, you know, you can do this, you could do that. And um, I don't know, about a week later, I'm, th- I'm, I'm talking to Patrick. So, Patrick, you know, I really think we should do something. I just feel like that building was meant for us to go in there and do something. It needs something. And uh, let's go take another look at it. So uh, we got the keys and we went sitting there for a whole afternoon. I think, I, think we might have, a little whiskey. I think we might have drank a little whiskey in there. And, um, <laughs> That's how the, the, name, the name whiskey got in the name. Yeah. And, you know, we decided that, you know, that is what Lafayette was missing, you know, because at the time that's when they were also having talks about, hey, do you really want to go to New Orleans? You know, what's the, you know, is it safe to go there? What's uh-huh. the drive like? You're going to get stuck in traffic. You, you know, you name it. And we enjoyed you know, going out and having a great time. And, you know, the whole concept came around and we said, hey, let's let's do this jazz and blues mm-hmm. um, uh, lounge club atmosphere. Let's make it so that it's 21 and over so that uh, you can come in and truly enjoy, enjoy and relax. And part of it was also we're even wanting to bring back the Lafayette happy hour and uh, yeah. and you know where you can go in and and actually relax and get get some music and and uh, enjoy that part too. So it's a New Orleans side. experience without mm-hmm. having to drive two hours, yeah. you know, down the road. You get that right here. And and hey, let's keep some of the tourists here. That you know, hey, I got that experience right here in Lafayette. Mm-hmm. And I, and when Stephen and I started talking about it earlier, I said, I can't believe that Lafayette 
doesn't have something like, like that already. Club. And I'm like, well, where where would you go to get that? And and we couldn't come we couldn't come up with anything at the time. So we really built it around, you know, that experience and that sort of jazzy, bluesy, clubby feel. You feel like you're going back into a speakeasy, but with the Louisiana mm-hmm. influence and um, yeah, you know, I think I think concept wise, we feel real good about it. I think we hit we we hit right where we wanted to hit. But there we were again, starting a new another new concept from mm-hmm. scratch. Right after you just moved. So. Yeah, yeah. So the so any of the just for the record, <laughs> for the record. every time every time we've opened up a restaurant. There's been major road construction following. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they did pit hook, that, yeah. and, you know, which was, you know, believe it or not, it, it, it was another experience where the, the the local governments and everyone were like conscious of it and yeah. actually helped work through it. They worked at night and yeah. they, they, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but yeah no, no, I appreciate I'm working at night, but mm-hmm. that's when we're open. That's when we're <laughs> open. So we, we, yeah, had, to, we had to laugh yeah. at that. It's great for all the other businesses, mm-hmm. but, you know, us and Ruth well, yeah, Chris yeah. and across yeah. the street and Bonton yeah. Grill. And we're like, oh, God. And for the record, when I was, <laughs> when I was uh, at Logan's, uh, we opened and— uh, that's when they did Ambassador Caffrey. Oh. <laughs> so it's you. So, so yeah. So, any, any land we look at and neighbors see us, sees it, see, you know, they see us coming. <laughs> they start cringing. They're like, when they going? They're like, oh great, we're getting new roads. New roads, yeah. Uh, that's hilarious. Uh, so yeah, you know, it's a it's it's a great vibe there, and and that's what we wanted. We wanted something when you if you were to walk by it or or drive up to it. You would go, wow! What's going on in there? I want, I, I want to go and experience that, and that's what we have. A lot of people talking about that experience. It's pretty, you know. It's architecturally stunning from the outside. The inside is really beautiful, and I know it was pretty before when it was Jolie's. Did you have to do much to? We remodel? did, yeah. We did a bit. Um, the biggest thing with with whiskey and vine. We tore down some walls to mm-hmm. open the really open the space up. Um, we kept the the main shotgun bar that had always been there. It was there when it was Roos Chris Steakhouse, and I used to actually work at Roos Chris Steakhouse in the late '80s for a, a hot minute um, uh, bartending there too. So that bar is still there. But we also added another bar, sort of to the back corner side of the building and opened up a whole dining room there. And then upstairs, which really, the spiral staircase going upstairs, it really kind of went to nowhere. It was a very small area, a landing area with some offices. We, we again, cleared out some walls and really opened up that space. And we built another bar upstairs and it's called the Peacock Room. And it's, it's like a little speakeasy upstairs, but we do it for a lot of private parties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we got office parties up there all the time. Time. It was completely booked with Christmas parties this past year. And um, so that's a, a, if you haven't been up to the Peacock Room when you come into Whiskey and Vine, take a walk up the stairs and, and check it out. It's, it's really a, a very unique place. There's not anything quite like it in Lafayette. So, and interesting enough, all the, the interior design um, was done by my wife, Angie. So it's she's, beautiful. Angie heads up our, all of our catering mm-hmm. operations. She's our catering sales manager, but she's also, Equally as talented as doing interior design, so she actually did the the original restaurant when we remodeled it on Verrat. She did the one we did a lot of remodel when we moved to the old Blue Dog location here in Pittock, and then we said, oh, "Guess what, Angie? We got another one for you to do." So she did the the, the whiskey and vine interior design, and uh, I, that's one of the biggest compliments we get is the interior it's, it's and stunning. the feel and the yeah. the ambiance and. 
mm-hmm. and support. Yeah, yeah the, and the great thing about the field and what we've learned, you know, over this year and four months is when you come into the um, whiskey and vine and with those three bars and, I guess, areas that Patrick uh, has spoken about, you can get a different experience at each one where, you know, typically a lot of people will go in a restaurant and bar hop in the evening. You can actually do that actually in <laughs> one in in one location. Mm-hmm. You know, you can start up. Uh, you can start start at the main shotgun bar and, and have some drinks and get get your um, your night started for you know for a happy hour. Then meet people for a dinner and sit in the dining room. Mm-hmm. And then you may say, you know what, let's go have an after hour drink or coffee or dessert. And you're going up to the Peacock Room to do that. And we see that time and time again. Then they actually come back down because the live music starting it and they're going to they're going to sit and now watch a live show it's it's it's, it's a great thing so are y'all both at both restaurants like do you divide your duties um let's say in running whiskey and vine let's say i know you've got a manager but y'all each hands on yeah yeah so <laughs> but between the two locations uh we have nine managers i'm sorry um 13 managers uh, between our, our our concepts and what we do, wow. uh, Bon Grill has eight, and mm-hmm. it's that's probably t- a little heavy just because of the catering side of what we do. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, and, and that number doesn't even include our catering salespeople and managers that we have. So add on another team for that right. and the ballparks. So um, we're very fortunate. We have these phenomenal managers mm-hmm. that that work work for us. So our time, you know, and that was one of the, the biggest things that I had to learn because I came from operations is how not to be an operator, more of an owner. And that's the that's typically when you see restaurants fail because they're the, 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 oh, yeah, the owners in there grilling cooking mm-hmm. hey i'm i'm the best the best there is and they don't uh you know rely on their people and that's you know over the years we've built a great team that that they do that we do split our time because mm-hmm. if you can imagine there's you know two restaurants the two ballpark locations um, i'm more uh, you know doing the ballparks than patrick is so my time is probably you know twenty you know twenty five percent at each each location, uh, and you split up my work week however you want. But am I back there grilling now? No. Um, five six years ago, yes. Uh, if I'm grilling today, it's a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> Full disclosure on the menu. Absolutely, just. Uh, we, but we do divide and conquer. I mean, we'll oh, we'll talk. I say, hey, I'm going check on you know the this party that's in the L.A. room at Bonton Grill tonight. He's like, great. I want to go. There's somebody coming into whiskey and vine. I want to make sure I go uh, meet and greet. So yes. you know, we we tend not to, <laughs> to to congregate at the same at the same place and that sort of thing. Yeah. No. Absolutely. It's it's a lot of fun. I can mm-hmm. tell you that. Uh, very fortunate that you know there are two of us, and we're we're able to, yeah. to divide and conquer. You know, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, you, you, tonight you'll see us both at a UL basketball game. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, neither one of us will be working. Should be. Yeah. You know, but uh, you know that right. that could be considered work too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any plans on maybe expanding these these restaurants or another type of cuisine? There, 
Yes, uh, there's there's always plans. I mean, we're always looking at the next thing, and that's that that's going to happen. Um, I I think that you know we felt for a long time that there's an opportunity to expand and do more bones on grills. I think that um, that concept really lends itself well to opening multiple locations. So. Um, you know, COVID, I think, like a lot of people, probably slowed some of those expansion uh, plans down for us. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, it's something we're looking at again. Uh, we have a couple of other concepts in the bag that I, I, I won't go into too much detail right now because it's like <laughs> a couple of them are, are well, things that— I'll say one thing okay. about it and, and, and without going into too much detail. So, Patrick uh, told you where Chef Lex is from, correct? Albuquerque, Santa Fe area. Well, we're actually connected to that also. Um, on my mother's side, um, oh. it, she's from Albuquerque, and uh, we have a lot of family. In fact, we just went up there for Thanksgiving, and uh, we we had uh, cattle, you know, cattle. They raised cattle and stuff, and they bring the cattle up and down the mountains, and and wow. uh, you know, it's real rustic and mm -hmm. stuff where my mother my mother actually grew up. So. Uh, you know, the Bonton Grill is kind of my father's side and where, where we're from and we're born and raised. But uh, we always wanted to do something that might lend itself to, to uh, you know, something that my, my mother's side. So yeah. you may see something like that come along. Um, and then we are, we're actually passionate about uh, fishing and, and doing uh, things like fresh that. Fresh seafood. Yeah, fresh mm -hmm. seafood. So you may see something that might lend itself a little more to that. So I'm glad it's, I asked. So yeah. it's 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 fun to do your you know if you're if you're doing what you're passionate about, then it's great. So mm -hmm. absolutely. Well, I can't wait to hear about more of this. So, um, are we missing a food concept in Lafayette? Have you ever thought about that? We talk about it a lot. I I, I don't think Lafayette needs another Mexican restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Although I am excited about Superior Grill because um, of Frank. Yeah, yeah, of no. course. I, 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 I'm sure you'll see me see me there as well. I think that's going to yeah. be a fun concept um, coming to Lafayette. There, um, yeah. you know, I, for me, I, you know, I don't know what Stevens Stevens thoughts are. Um, I, I really think that Lafayette's grown to a point where we can look at another steakhouse. Um, I'm more yeah. of an upscale mm -hmm. um, type mm -hmm. type type of a steakhouse and lends itself to. Um, and then I also think that um, you know something along the fresh, really that fresh seafood, yeah. uh, sort of a seafood style um, focus, high high on 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 the fresh seafood style is something mm -hmm. that that Lafayette could use. Um, what's your thoughts? No, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I would I would like to continue to see. Uh, the, the the local small business restaurants continue to open up, but you know not the small little seat fifty or sixty seat restaurants because those are tough. Those are really tough. You know if they're if they're they're not big enough, they they tend to get lost or swallowed up and disappear. So uh, um, I love corporate restaurants in a way just because I've worked for them a while and it paid paid for me and my family to be successful and for me to do. What we're doing, uh, and uh, obviously it helps the economy and employs a lot of people. I know a lot of people always say local only, local only, but there's a lot of local people that work for those concepts that you want you want to go out and support also. But uh, don't forget about the local restaurant right, guys, right. That, you know, uh, which is kind of a uh, you know people are like, man, I can't believe you're saying that, but it's 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 mm -hmm. true. You know, there's I think there's room for all restaurants if they're good restaurants. You know, there's just not any room for you know, a restaurant that has any weakness at all. 
um, especially in South Louisiana. You have to yeah. constantly evolve and, and work for it. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, I think there's definitely room for another Bon Ton Grill. You know, I can tell you that uh, we're, we're, we're definitely wanting to do that for sure. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jason Secor has been recording our show, and I, I know you always have thoughts. I, I do. <laughs> Patrick, Steve, thanks for being here today. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, awesome. Jason. Uh, let's go back to the beginning here. What did you guys go to school for, and how did you learn to cook? <laughs> well, I, it, that's an easy one for me. So Stephen's the one that does the cooking. I, I mean, okay. I, I, I cook I cook enough to be dangerous, but he's he, he, he when it comes to the restaurant he side— He speaks like he knows what he's talking well, when about. When it comes yeah. to the restaurant yeah. side, he keeps me out of the kitchen. I'm more of the front guy, okay. I, I, but I can bartend. Yeah, and I'll touch uh, on our—you know, he does cook. But it's, okay. it's, it's two very distinct styles of cooking. So, my, shake and my, bake. Yeah, well, no, no, not even that. He actually he he actually cooks well. It's just when I say different styles, I and 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 we all know these people. They're like anybody that goes, and this is not so much him. He knows, but I can cook fantastic. I have the best gumbo, the best whatever it is. I should open a restaurant. But they don't understand the really operation challenges to be to put out that food, and that's the difference t- between what we do. If he's at home, he gets a glass of wine. He's going to cook his <laughs> his his homemade um, spaghetti and take four hours, and it's going to be the best spaghetti mm-hmm. in the world. Where I'm going to whip that spaghetti out and <laughs> and figure out a way to make it and then get it out in ten minutes every single time. Right. That's the difference you know, right. in a successful yeah. restaurant and in a, a restaurant that does that doesn't quite make <laughs> a it. Non-successful restaurant. Yeah. So we immediately <laughs> when Formerly we started, yeah. yeah, we split the dining room in half. I had from the kitchen to the dining room. <laughs> he had from the kitchen to the bar because oh, okay. you know a little, little thing that he didn't mention in his experience <laughs> was um, Patrick. Uh, he, you know, a lot of his, not a lot, but his experience, he was uh, a bartender at TGI Fridays for a long time. Oh, so okay. if, you, if you remember. Snow T- Bears. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So you remember TGI Fridays. That was back in the day when Tom Cruise and mm-hmm. cocktails and everybody oh, yeah. was doing flair, flipping bottles and everything. Mm-hmm. And if, correct me if I'm wrong, but the person that trained Tom Cruise for that movie, movie trained this opening staff of Lafayette. Therefore, Patrick was trained by that same person. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. I used to, fl- yeah, I used to flip bottles. Yes, I did. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. No, I don't do that very often any- yeah. anymore. But So, that, you know, 12 years ago, the bar scene was very different, mm-hmm. which is when we opened up the Bon Ton Grill. It was, it, it, you didn't have as many crafted cocktails yet. You had a lot of ingredients, but not crafted like we do nowadays at, at you know, whiskey and vine, for instance. So, uh so yeah, so the the cooking is definitely a little different than what we do. It's uh, um, I learned how to cook, and Patrick did too, just from our families. You know, okay, duck yeah. camps, hunting, fishing camps. Mm-hmm. I remember um, one of my dad's great friends uh, that would barbecue this alligator all the time, and it was the best thing ever. And but again, we we grilled, you know, and so yeah. we learned how to do that. Uh, I was fortunate uh, when I was with. David Bertrand at Bertrand's Riverfront. They had a, a fantastic chef, and um, he's still around town. He works for Tony Chatteries and stuff, uh, but uh, Chris Saga. And I was a waiter then in the 90s, 
but he made me taste every feature he did so I can go and sell it on the floor. Oh, and he would explain yeah. to us how it was made mm-hmm. and what the ingredients were. And um, so I learned a lot about that. Then from there, you know, some of those corporate restaurants I worked at, even though you're not as creative, mm-hmm. you're still learning a lot of techniques. Yeah. So if I was in the kitchen cooking, you learn great techniques and how to put out food and stuff. That, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. What yeah. were some... You guys talked about early challenges, specifically finances. Were there other challenges early on that maybe you could pass on for advice, like look out for this, or outside of just getting money together? What was a big hurdle for you guys? Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think cer- certainly the whole financial side of it, um, you know, there was a couple of things that come to mind for me in, in opening that new concept. You know, yeah, I, I think we had to go back and do it all over again. Um, from scratch, and, and we certainly did it differently when we did whiskey and vine. I'd invest more of the initial um, budgets of those first couple of years in marketing. Okay. I'm not sure that we we did enough um, sort of marketing or, or marketing in the right places. We just didn't know. We didn't know a lot in that area. We one us where where expertise. Whereas with whiskey and vine, we actually employed a a, a firm, a, a, you know, a, a marketing agency that that did a lot of that for us because they're experts in that area and certainly helped with the launch of this new brand. Um, the other thing with that said, um, no matter what you do and you go out and you're going to you know, market this new concept and what, at the end of the day, it never changes that it's still built one guest at a time. Yeah. And it's building that 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 relationship with that guest that 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 very first time, ensuring your managers are visiting every table, mm-hmm. talking to those guests. When it's first time guests that are in, we have a we have a first time guest uh, program, which we give them a card, say, hey, thanks for coming in and trying this out the first time. Here's a card um, on your next visit. Have a complimentary appetizer on us. Okay. So implementing those types of uh, those types of initiatives, I think, are are, are very critical. Um, so um, you know that's that's important. That was that's always a challenge. I, I'm glad you said that because underneath this question, I had marketing. So yeah. it, it it makes sense. You guys do TV, and I've seen commercials, right? Yes. And then do you guys do radio as well? Yes. Facebook. And- yes. All the above, <laughs> everything. Um, all the all the above, right? Absolutely. And you know the and what what Patrick was saying. The first I don't know, eight years, we we were doing that ourselves, trying to figure out well where do we put these yeah. ads. And I, I remember going, man, we spent we spent eight hundred dollars this month in marketing. That's that's insane, Patrick. He's like, I know, I know. Well, now I mean. It can be that a day. Yeah, it can be that a day, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I agree. Definitely, uh, especially if it's a new concept, Mm -hmm. you have to plan for, I mean, even three months before you're opening, you're you're spending money. Learn the importance of PR, too. I mean, you know, I mean, things like this. I mean, you know, articles and interviews and just getting the word out there in the community that, you know, Mm -hmm. what you are, where you are, what you're doing, what's what's your points of difference. Um, You know, and and I see a lot of these new restaurants opening now, and I can tell the the ones that have help and that are doing it well because I see the steps that they're taking around their PR and their marketing. And it's the same that, you know, we've been advised with with the agency that we work with now. And I wouldn't do it again without having a good agency partner. Well, and I think word of mouth, which is kind of what you hinted at, I mean, Foodies of Lafayette is huge. The amount of people that go on there to ask friends, where do I go to eat? 
massively important. They've been very good to us, by the yeah. way. The foodies of Lafayette at Whiskey and Vine, they, they've come in a few times and uh, okay. I, I like mm -hmm. their blog. And that, yeah, that's awesome. A uh, couple more questions. How did you eat the sports complex? Can you talk a minute about that? Or the, the ballparks or whatever? Yeah, yeah. so um, I, I was actually living out in Youngsville at the time and I was living in a neighborhood right next to the sports complex and I, I moved there. God, it's... Sports Complex is 12 years right now or going on 12, so 16 years ago. And, you know, at the time, I think our neighborhood had like maybe 100 homes, and okay. it was it was all sugarcane fields. It was before, before Rouse's, McDonald's, CVS, yeah. Walgreens, any of that stuff. And, I, you know, I saw the announcement that they're building something, and I'm like, oh, that's really nice, you know. Um, and then <laughs> I'm, I'm driving by it, and— um, and I'm like, wow, that's going to be really big. And I was like, man, that would be a great opportunity because we just started doing catering mm -hmm. and uh, at the at the restaurant. I was like, man, I wonder if there's any opportunity to maybe cater or expand or maybe uh, even put a restaurant here. And some kind of way, someone contacted me, um, putting me in contact with Wilson Viator at the time, and uh, uh, Mayor Mayor Viator. Uh, actually, he's put me in. Put me in his. You know, remember, I remember this. I met him somewhere. He put me in his truck, and it, it, one of his old farm trucks. And we we're driving around, and he's showing me sugarcane fields, and you know, uh, opportunities that would come up, and, and where they're planning on building new roads and wow. expanding. And I was like, man, you know, this is a a, a great community. It's growing, and uh, you know, we'd love to be part of this. And he says, well, you know, we're, we're putting this out to bid. You you need a bid on this. And I was like, okay, great. Um, so he, you know, he, he actually kind of explained how it went. And um, luckily, Patrick's job with Freeman Group, they do a lot of bids. You know, that that's oh, okay. that's what that's one of the things he does on a daily basis. So I'm going at Patrick um, here, and I what dropped it, drop it on his desk, and he's like, what is this? I'm like, it's like. I want to do. I want to do the concessions out here. I think it'd be a, a great thing. Please come do the concessions with me. <laughs> and, uh, I said nachos, hot dogs. I mean, look, I, but there's a lot more profit in a nacho and a hot dog than there's in a, yeah, seafoods it's, and steaks. It's a lot less stress. The yeah. the person that can put out a, a hot dog consistently compared to cooking a filet mignon top mm -hmm. with oh, yeah. you know lump crab meat and you know and so, you know a, 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 some type of duck cell sauce or whatever it is, you know it's it's a lot different. So, uh, you know, we, we went through the whole uh, process and we, we won it and um, we are we're just signing our second uh, extension on it. So uh, we're very excited. Uh, we're most excited because, you know, um, obviously we've gotten the St. Julian Park now. One. Yeah, sorry. yeah. So there's no one that um, that I know of that can that does that work. That's the size of us. Yeah. So locally. Yeah, locally. Yeah, you got your big guys like Sedexo, Sedexo whatever so, they do. Okay. So what the both cities wanted is they wanted someone that was local because they know we're supporting the schools. We're yeah. we're, we're the ones that are you know um, when someone's looking for a sponsorship or something. That's that's who everyone goes to. It's it's you know. And they, both cities also wanted to ensure that. They we brought a, a a flavor of local cuisine to these concessions mm -hmm. yeah. because you know sports tourism right you've got all these 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 traveling teams coming in and that's a lot of the part of the big reason why you know the, the you've got so much expansion around these parks and whatnot 
And so we bring that. I mean, we've got boudin, you know, sauces, red beans and, and rice, rice, gumbos, and oh, man. you know, so it's so it's not just it's not just <laughs> hot dogs and nachos. I'm go to the sports complex uh, for dinner, I, but I think that's important, right? <laughs> and I, I've had so many people. I had just just this past weekend, uh, this past week, someone was at uh, the um, the Broussard Park. St. Julian Parkins texted me a picture of his gumbo. Look what I'm eating. I'm eating, I'm eating the gumbo at the park. I'm oh like, gosh. oh, good. thank you. It's different than what we picture with, we were talking about earlier, parents working at a concession stand versus no. professional no, absolutely. We're with some high schools now. We're doing the concessions for some of the local high schools, oh, football really? games and basketball games. So we're we're excited. to. We're just kind of growing that, that side of the business. Um, but yeah, the parents are happy because they don't have to man right. the concession stands at, yeah, yeah. at the high schools that we're doing Balance the concessions books, at now. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's always changing too. I mean, I, I don't know, we're at it. We do pizza now. We have, we even do grilled chicken salads. You know, uh-huh. I mean, I mean, what concession can you walk up to and say, hey, I, I know this is the third day that I'm here this week because the locals are there that often and or you're on a, a weekend turn. You've got that many kids or one kid's playing that all. Yeah, and yeah. you're, you're you know, you're going, man, I, I wish I had something a little healthier. And yeah. sure enough, there's a grill, uh, you know, a green salad mm-hmm. with grilled chicken on it and you're able to enjoy that. So, uh, yeah, so that's how we got it. You know, uh, basically it was um, – it you know, we bid on got it. Got in the it, truck with the mayor. Got so in the truck with yeah. the mayor. And, uh, well, well, also, you saw the opportunity. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. We know. we saw it, and, and you know, the, also, I you know, I, I hats off to the city council at the time of both mm-hmm. places. You know, because we we talked extensively with a lot of those guys and what they wanted, what they and what they didn't want is the taxpayer to come in and pay you know five dollars for a, a hot dog, like yeah. what would you would you sometimes get when a big company comes in, yeah, and yeah. they're like, hey. You know, we can do it, but this is the menu and the menu mm-hmm. prices. So, uh, you know, we, we feel great about it, and, and, and we feel like we, you know, we give a lot back to the cities with it. And, um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll continue to grow that. Uh, you know, who knows? Maybe one day we're at, we're at UL. You know, or oh, yeah. or, uh, or or something. We'll we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Yeah, we'll try out the food at the basketball game tonight. See how they well, yeah. And that, that's perfect because that leads into my last question. You guys mentioned you do the basketball game. I don't know how you have time for this, but what do you guys do for fun? Well, one of one of the things that we're we're huge um, uh, raging Cajun athletic supporters. We we support all the sports. Um, we uh, we're 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 always feeding coaches and players and donors and visiting. You know, what, what, so our our involvement with the with the athletic department with the Cajuns. I mean, that's certainly a big hobby of ours. Um, we, we take our families to all the sports. Um, what else? Fishing, fishing. Absolutely, we uh, drop anything. We, to go we, yeah, we 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 love to go fishing. <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, I have a daughter, um, ten, and my wife Kay and I. We we spend obviously a lot of time like with most parents. We're out at the ballpark, so I'm, you know, part part of my job while I'm out there is I'm actually getting to watch my daughter um, play soccer and and uh, thoroughly enjoy that and. Um, I also get to travel and see other parks and and uh, see what concessions are going on at those places. Oh, yeah. uh, so the, the hobbies are, you know, family, fishing, um, raging Cajuns. And then, of course, we're foodies. Yeah. You know, we'll go, yeah. Oh, you we, are? We, we have to. Yeah, my wife and I, we, we, we love to go and try new places. So. Do you recon on your um, we, competitors? <laughs> we do. I did, did some recon this past week. So. <laughs> 
Well, awesome. Jan, again, thank you for letting me ask thank some you. questions. And Patrick and Steve, thanks for coming into our office today. Thank you. Yeah, this thank you all for having us. So. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Um, Jason Secor, thank you again for taping the show. I want to thank Chris Rader. Just walked by. We're in the beautiful Rader podcast studio here. I also want to thank our sponsors, Oxner, Lafayette General, Vimed, and of course, Eat Lafayette, an initiative of Lafayette Travel. So Patrick and Stephen O'Brien, thank you again for sharing not only your restaurants, but the hearts behind it, the voice. Obviously, you have a passion for what you do, and I want to thank you all for what you contribute to the community. And again, thank you for listening. If you haven't, you can subscribe to Discover Lafayette wherever you get your podcast, or you can visit discoverlafayette.net to find out more about our podcast and of the over 370 interviews that we have online. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, this is Jan Swift. Thank you.